بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد قال الله تبارك وتعالى في القرآن العظيم أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ومكروا ومكر الله والله خير الماكرين صدق الله العظيم Respected ulama, huffad, elders and dear friends Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh We begin by praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala The most beneficent, the most merciful and we send salutations and greetings upon our master and leader Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Respected elders and dear friends, we all know too well that we have now witnessed the close of the 20th week of the extreme barbaric aggression and terrorism that is being meted out against our brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers and children in the holy lands of Sham, in Palestine and more particularly in Gaza. And we will reflect inshallah in the few moments that we have on a similar sort of situation that is found in the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So as you know, Gaza is called the largest concentration camp in the world or in history. You have people confined to a certain geographical area, a region, and they do not have the right to move out except with the permission and the authorization of the occupier. A somewhat similar incident and scenario is found in the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As the deen of Islam continued to grow and the kuffar of Quraysh became more nervous and anxious that they will soon be overpowered, they then plotted and planned to commit the ultimate sin and that is to murder and assassinate the Master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with the protection of his uncle Abu Talib. And Abu Talib who was the chief and the leader the foremost and senior person of the Banu Hashim, he absolutely rejected all attempts that the Quraysh made and any advances they made to hurt Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. To the extent that every member of the Banu Hashim, of the extended family of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the believers and the disbelievers, Every single one of them, the believers obviously committing themselves because of their faith and determination and conviction in the truth of Rasulullah and the disbelievers from the Banu Hashim in protecting their family member, they together pledged to defend the life of Rasulullah 
from the hands of the Quraysh. And when the Quraysh saw that they had no access and they were not going to be able to harm Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, they decided to boycott and sanction the Banu Hashim. And they drew up a pact amongst themselves that we will not buy to, from them, nor will we sell to them, nor will we marry into their families, nor will we allow them to marry into our families. And we, they basically cut off all forms of relationships, all forms of dealings, including commercial dealings with the Banu Hashim. And the Banu Hashim took refuge in order to now ensure that they are able to protect the Master sallallahu alayhi wasallam. They took refuge in a little valley in Mecca known as Shi'bu Abi Talib. And this is where they took refuge and they all resided within this area together with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this lasted for a prolonged period of three years where they were not able to access the goods from out of Mecca because as soon as the goods would come in, the kuffar of Quraysh would ensure that they go and buy it out. And once the goods have been bought out from the foreign traders, those that are coming from outside, then the kuffar have control of everything and they're not going to sell to the Muslims or to the Banu Hashim. So this resulted in a famine and starvation in the Banu Hashim over this prolonged period of three years. Although there were some noble people amongst the Quraysh, amongst the Kuffar who, who were not supportive. They were overpowered, but they were not supportive of this. And from time to time they would send some provisions for their close ones and their friends in, who, who, who were in the Shi'bu Abi Talib. But... By and large, there was a lack of provisions, there was a lack of food. To the extent that the historians mention that the cries of the children and the babies of the Banu Hashim would be heard on the other side of the valley, on the other side of the mountain in the rest of Mecca, they could hear the cries of the children who were screaming out of hunger. And just one incident narrated by the great Sahabi Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas radiallahu anhu, that illustrates the extent of hunger that they experienced. He says that I went out to relieve myself and he, as he went out to relieve himself and he was passing urine, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honor all of you, as he was doing this, he heard an unusual sound. Because when one passes and relieves themselves on, on, uh, on sand, then there's a usual sound that you would hear. But he heard an unusual sound when he was relieving himself. And that caused him to investigate and he found that there was a piece of dried up old camel hide that was on the floor. And this great Sahabi radiallahu anhu narrates for, by himself and he says, I took, I took that piece of skin, that, that dried up leather, uh, camel skin, 
and I burnt it. So he put it on a flame. He then squeezed it and he sprinkled it with water and he says, I used this to nourish myself for three days. Used this, what we can say, a rubbish piece of camel skin, which was also was touched by Najasa when he relieved himself. But he, he took several steps to cleanse it. And then he nourished himself for three days from that particular item. That illustrates the extent of uh, deprivation and starvation that they were experiencing. Nothing else would have led him to do that. So this was the condition that the Muslims of Makkah, uh, the Muslims of Makkah and the Banu Hashim experienced. There was only one person. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala curses him in the Holy Quran from the Banu Hashim who did not who did not support Rasulullah he betrayed his own family and he sided with the Quraysh he was the only single person from the entire tribe who sided with the Quraysh and was not subject to the boycott and sanctions nonetheless this was the conditions that were placed on uh, the believers and the Banu Hashim. So, let us take now some lessons from this particular incident in history. The first is that the Kuffar of Quraysh did this in order to break the spirit of the Banu Hashim. And they did this for three years. And in three years they were unable to deter any, one single individual it was a, a large extended family of several uh, hundred people. Yet they were not able to deter one person from protecting the honor of Rasulullah and the life of Rasulullah In addition to that, they were not able to deter one person from forsaking his iman and his deen. And on top of that, that uh, arrow that they let loose through adopting the, those sanctions, actually came back and struck them straight in their forehead. When the people, when the, the broader Arab community and the tribes would come to perform Hajj over that three-year period, they came to hear about the treatment that the Quraysh is dealing with the Banu Hashim. And this obviously was not acceptable to any of them. And this increased their interest in Islam. And once the siege was lifted, and the, that pact that they had entered into was cancelled after a three-year period, then many, many people entered into the fold of Islam. So the same objective that they were trying to achieve was actually backfired and it achieved the opposite. And we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that just as the enemy seeks to make this the end of the, of the Palestinian cause, and the end of the cause of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, we make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that this will backfire and it will become the end of Zionism. And the end of the oppression of our brothers and sisters, inshallah. So that is one lesson we take from this particular incident. Another lesson that we take from this incident is... the patience and the perseverance of the Banu Hashim in that no matter what they experience, no matter the hunger, 
they persevered and they stuck to their principles and their beliefs. And alhamdulillah, we see the same. We see the same level of fortitude. We see the same level of sabr and perseverance in our brothers and sisters. And we make shukr to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us with that strength and devotion to Him and to the cause of our Masjid al-Aqsa as He has blessed our brothers and sisters. Another lesson that we take from this particular incident in the seerah of Rasulullah sallallahu is from the end of the of this particular sanctions. And that how did that transpire? Part of the incident is as follows that and I'm going to summarize in the interest of time that certain people certain people of the kuffar they were really not happy with the, with, with the whole arrangement and it had been a long period of three years of suffering for, and they were all related they, were, uh, they, they all came from the same forefathers so they were all cousins and they were interrelated through marriage and so forth so there were a number of them who got together and they had a side discussion to end the pact and I'm summarizing among them was Abu al-Bakhtari and Hisham ibn Amir and others. So when this uh, sanctions were eventually lifted and the, Mus- the Muslims and the Banu Hashim were freed and were able to now again integrate into society, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam remembered and recognized the favor that these disbelievers had done to the Muslims and to the Banu Hashim. And he repaid them in various ways. So he recognized it, he remembered it, and he thanked them, and he repaid them in various ways. One of them who accepted Islam thereafter, upon the conquest uh, and the victory at the Battle of Hurayn, Rasulullah gifted to him almost 100 camels as a gesture of thanks. Abu al-Bakhtari, who participated in the Battle of Badr, Rasulullah requested the Sahaba not to kill him if they engage in combat with him. So these are different ways in which Rasulullah sought to compensate these people for their kindness. And similarly, we should adopt this attitude where we see people who are compassionate and sympathetic to the cause of our brothers and sisters, wherever they may be in the world, then we should show appreciation for that. And we should acknowledge it because it is from the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding to uh, reflect over these great lessons in the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Now in closing, respected elders and dear friends, and most importantly, when we live and we see these events unfolding before our eyes, and we've probably heard these advices time and time again, and we will continue to repeat it because we need it ourselves. We need the reminder. The ultimate solver and the ultimate solution lies with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what means they are at our disposal, the ultimate solution lies in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And conditions are placed on the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for us to realize how far we have deviated from the path of the sunnah, from the way of the Qur'an, and for us to return to that pristine path. And no matter what other means we take to seek 
some relief, but if you do not seek relief from the ultimate source, then all of that will be in vain. And it will all, the, situ, the, the calamities will continue to increase. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant the entire ummah afiyah. So we need to, as we see these events unfolding, it is time for every one of us to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with these blessed days. And we know Laylatul Bara'a is in two, three days, uh, two days' time. And the month of Ramadan is coming. This is the time for us to now make a decision. Make a decision to make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we see the blood being spilled, and when we see those scattered limbs, and when we see the masjids demolished, and we see every other form of atrocity, then it should f- cause our iman to click. Tears that just fall out of uh, you know, hum- hum- humanitarian empathy and sympathy, that is not sufficient for a believer. Yes, for a disbeliever it may be sufficient. It's an, a natural reaction. But for a believer it ought to cause our iman to click back into action. It should put us back into gear and uh, cause us to reflect. Where have we gone? How much have we contributed to this situation through our disobedience of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? From how far we have deviated from the path of the sunnah? From how much we have let sin seep into our lives and the lives of our children and our families? So this is the time, respected elders and dear friends, for us to really make a difference by being part of the collective tawbah of the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam by making a change in our individual lives and that is the test. That is the true test to see who will be that person who sacrifices his desires in order to draw the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In closing, the, the famous hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he mentions those three people who were in a predicament where a rock came, uh, they were traveling on a journey and they took refuge in a cave. A rock came and sealed them off. And they had no way out. Death was before their eyes. And suddenly they decided to commit themselves to Allah and present one act they had done in the past in order to present to Allah, Oh Allah, i done this only for your pleasure. Remove this calamity that we are facing. And one of those people made a, in, his, in the dua to Allah, he, he mentioned, and we may know this hadith, that he was about to commit the act of zina. And this applies to any sin. He was about to commit the act of zina that he, with, with, the, with the love of his life. This woman that he desired from childhood. And he was about to commit that act with this woman. Uh, and she allowed him, due to desperation, he had given her some financial assistance. At this point in time, when he was about to fulfill the ultimate passion that he had always wanted, he had longed for this moment his entire life. But it was a sin. And he left it for the pleasure of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this one, leaving out this one sin, a cause for uh, salvation and for that rock to be removed. Through that dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them salvation. So which sin are we going to leave out? We have so many. We ought to leave out all our sins. But let us start. Let us start as individuals, as family members, 
When you see the destruction, don't just forward it. But think to yourself and speak to your friends and family, how are we going to rectify our situation as individuals, as the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi in order to bring a change. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alayhi wa sahbihi